0: This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at sfzc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, all of you in the green dragon echo chamber, and all of you in Zoom land, whom um, I can't see, except there's a little round circle. My name's Kokyo, and uh, I'm very happy to be back at this place with you all. I last lived at Green Dragon Temple around 14 years ago. It seems like a long time and yet uh, it feels like uh, an old home for sure. Uh, Me and my wife Shoho, we've been uh, living kind of nomadically for the last couple of years, traveling here and there, uh, responding to invitations at various Zen centers, living at them for a few months at a time, living in the car in between, and and so on. it's nice to land at a, at a beautiful place like this and be still for a little while. Uh, there's many things we could talk about. And uh, any of them you've probably heard before one way or another but I thought one kind of basic teaching that I thought might be nice to to bring up is uh, how this practice of Zen is really just one reality here and now. It's, it's just like this. And yet, in order to talk about it, uh, we often divide through words, we divide this reality into these kind of two aspects. I think very helpful, actually, to uh, talk about these two sides, two aspects of reality, even though it's just one reality, uh, it helps clear up a lot of things, I feel like to to temporarily divide it into these two aspects. We call the two truths, the ground of the two truths, and then uh, based on this ground of the two truths, uh, obscurations, two of these truths arise, two kinds of obscurations, and then there are two practices for seeing through these two obscurations, and these two practices lead to two fruitions. So um, this is like a model, a map, a map of reality and a map of practice, all divided into to halves in order to talk about it. Many of our teachings make this temporary division, such as the Heart Sutra. Form itself is emptiness. Emptiness itself is form. It's kind of, it's making a division into emptiness and form and then saying that they are not different. It's helpful, I think, when we start to explore these teachings to make these uh, just hopefully skillful divisions of reality into two aspects uh, in order to understand. And then we have Zen teachings like the harmony of difference and equality, dividing up reality into difference and equality, and then uh, celebrating how those two are in harmony, not really separate. And then we have teachings like Suzuki Roshi saying... uh, you're perfect as you are, and you could use some improvement. This is all uh, the Zen style of bringing up two sides of reality to see how they work together. So, yeah, they're not really separate. And yet, and yet, we can speak of it this way, as a skillful device. So uh, please uh, allow me to bring up these two sides of reality, these two types of obscurations, these two types of practices, and these two types of fruition. And while we're talking about them uh, together, may we remember that they're not really two sides. This is a map, a kind of a conceptual map that we can apply to our own practice. And then um, after laying out this map, we can look at a classic Zen story that uh, talks about this map in a kind of Zen-like way. So starting with the ground, the ground of reality, the the basis. This ground has these two aspects or two realities, two aspects of reality or two realities. They're often called in the tradition, two truths. The uh, ultimate truth, ultimate reality and then conventional, relative truth or reality. And they're inseparable. They're not really two. That's how inseparable they are. They're just two ways of looking at the same reality. I recently came across the the image, the metaphor of a a ruler or a yardstick. Maybe most rulers are like this. On one side of the ruler, there's all these measurements, big measurements of inches or centimeters, little measurements of millimeters. But the other side of the ruler is just blank. There's no measurements on it. Uh, That's a pretty good modern metaphor for the unity of these two truths. The unity of the two realities. It's one stick, one ruler, and one side has this functional purpose of delineating space and uh, measuring things relative to one another, and the other side is just empty wood. Another uh, metaphor is like uh, a vast mirror, the ultimate truth, ultimate reality is like a boundless mirror, perfectly clear and undifferentiated uh, brightness. And then all the images appearing on the mirror, like the relative truth of divided appearances, In the world of the the images on the mirror, uh, those images are all in relation to each other and uh, and they're coming and going and uh, changing moment to moment, impermanent images. And yet the mirror itself is unchanging, unchanging brightness and just like the the ruler with one side divided up and the other side black, this uh, one mirror and the myriad images are completely inseparable, are they not? The images aren't the least bit um, removed or separate in any way from the mirror. You can't find the images without the mirror. And uh, in this kind of mirror, you can't find a mirror without images. And yet, we can speak of them as these two sides, two aspects of one reality. The unchanging uh, suchness, emptiness, Uh, undifferentiated presence. Timeless, boundless awareness before any division is the ultimate truth. And then the way that that one mirror appears is as myriad images in relationship to each other impermanent uh, complexity and diversity so this is a a brief description of I could say the ground the ground of reality as these two inseparable aspects I think these kinds of maps can be helpful because we hear things like, well, everything's empty and there's no distinction. Yes. And then we hear about what well, there are all these distinctions and, and, um, ways of, of being in the world. Yes. Are those two different, two different realities in a way, but in another way, they're two aspects of one reality. And the metaphor of the ruler or the mirror is, is a good way of looking at how they really are inseparable. And, the, and they their realities. Even the conventional reality is a kind of reality. Because it is the, uh, the way the one ultimate mirror reality appears naturally, effortlessly as a world of you and I. And then these two realities, these two truths of the ground uh, become obscured, become hidden. This is our um, dilemma. This is why there's Buddha Dharma we could say these two types of obscuration of the ground. The, uh, the ultimate reality of one suchness is uh, obscured by these cognitive obscurations, subtle uh, illusion created by the mind of a dualistic thought and a more subtle obscuration of dualistic perception. Dualistic thought we is, I think, pretty easy to understand. We think that's a good thing, that's a bad thing, and um, this is the way to do it, and that's not the way to do it. Our thinking, by its very nature, our thinking is... Is dualistic. Like presenting this map with thoughts is a dualistic map, dualistic description of a non-dual reality. And then there's dualistic perception that's um, we're born with, this uh, this way of perceiving a world of appearances that seems to be separate from our self a world of uh, mind and objects a world of uh, perceiver and perceived right it seems like i'm over here and you're over there deeply conditioned way of perceiving that the buddhas teach us is not quite right it's it's an obscuration to this ultimate uh reality of non-dual mirror-like suchness so that as you could call it the cognitive obscuration the way the mind uh without any um, effort on our part, just seems to divide itself into subject and object. And then the relative conventional truth seems to be obscured or um, kind of distorted by what we call emotional obscurations. Like greed, hate, and delusion; like pride, envy, jealousy, doubt. These emotional obscurations uh, kind of derive from this basic cognitive obscuration, and they seem to distort the workings of the. Um, interdependent images on the mirror, they seem to start to solidify and um, and squeeze the, these uh, these impermanent images on the mirror. They cause a bunch of trouble and suffering for sentient beings, these emotional obscurations. So can you follow the map so far? The, the ground, is uh, a has an, has an ultimate aspect and a relative aspect, and then the, the obscurations to the ground have a kind of ultimate, they're obscurations to the ultimate truth, which are these subtle, subtle dualistic perception, and then these obscurations to the conventional appearances that are emotional obscurations of greed, hate, and delusion are, um, you know, interactive day-to-day human stuff, seems to obscure the freely functioning, harmonious activity of the relative truth. So because of these obscurations, then we need a, a path or a practice and traditionally, Sometimes the uh, the the path of practice is can be divided into uh, the practice that uh, addresses the ultimate truth, the practice that that uh, purifies the cognitive obscurations to the ultimate truth, and that's the practice of just. Fitting. The practice of uh, being the mirror itself. The practice of non-dual awareness. The practice of prajna paramita. And uh, Zen tends to emphasize this one a lot classically. The practice of Prajnaparamita uh, settling into the undifferentiated space of brightness, which slowly and subtly begins to purify, in this case we could say. begins to kind of permeate through these cognitive obscurations of dualistic thought and perception, revealing the ultimate ground more and more clearly. And then on the other side, we have these relative practices we could call skillful means. Sometimes said to be like practices of um, generating merit uh, in the world of the relative appearances. Practices like kindness and compassion and generosity and uh, bodhisattva precepts, virtue, patience, diligence, and even meditative concentration. Concentrating the mind is just a kind of skillful means to open to the, a mirror-like realm of brightness. These, these are, these, practices going beyond giving, going beyond our ideas of giving, uh, eth- ethical conduct going beyond the ideas of that virtue, uh, patience, diligence, and concentration. These are um, skillful means practices um, purifying the obscurations, the emotional obscurations to the Relative truth of harmonious appearances, and then Prajna Paramita, the transcendent knowing, awakeness itself is purifying the uh, the ultimate truth from its subtle obscurations of dualistic perception. Can you follow still this model? Right now we have the ground of the relative and ultimate truth, talking about what reality or truth is. Then we have these two obscurations to those two truths that are then purified by these two practices, the practices of skillful means and perfect wisdom. Yeah? And then the uh, fruition, it's like, you know, this is kind of just Indian Mahayana maps of, of reality and uh, practice. So the fruition of this practice, of these two practices also comes in two forms. The whole thing is, is, is kind of like, has these two parallel tracks that aren't really separate, right? just like the practices of um, of giving ethics, uh, patience, diligence, and concentration aren't really separate from Prajnaparamita, but we can talk about them as addressing different issues. So the fruition of um, practicing Prajnaparamita to um, be through the cognitive obscurations to ultimate truth, the fruition of that side is called the dharmakaya, or the reality body of Buddha. It's the fruition of uh, total freedom from uh, discontent and and even more freedom than that, the freedom to uh, uh, be anything. And then the fruition of um, these skillful means practices, generosity and patience that are purifying the emotional obscurations to the harmonious working of the relative truth. The fruition of that process is called the rupakayas, the form bodies of Buddha. The the way a Buddha can manifest in in, uh, in an apparently human form to um, benefit humans. And maybe they can Manifest in animal form to benefit animals and in a hungry ghost form to benefit hungry ghosts and so on. Because of that freedom of the Buddhas, they can not just enjoy their own freedom, sometimes called the self-enjoyment samadhi of the Buddhas, they can manifest in these ways to benefit beings through skillful means called the Other Enjoyment uh, Samadhi. It can um, enjoy benefiting others in the relative world. The Buddhas can be the Dharmakaya mirror, the reality body mirror, at the same time as they're functioning in these particular relative ways as the images on the mirror. And in Zen, we we sometimes say that the the path of practice and the fruition or the verification of Buddha are not two separate things. So it's not like uh, in our Zen style, we would say that um, in the moment of just sitting, uh, there is the fruition, the verification of, of freedom. And in a, in, the, in a moment of generosity and kindness, there is the fruition of a, a skillful, uh, beneficent Buddha body, relatively speaking. So uh, that's a kind of a map, and uh, maybe it was a little too, too conceptual, two types of ground, two types of obscuration to the ground, two types of practice practices, the path that purifies the obscurations to the ground, and two types of fruition of the practice that purifies the ground fully realizes and verifies the ground that uh, was temporarily obscured. So you'll be quizzed on this later, so I hope you got it. It's a map, it's a model. And um, I think these kind of conceptual models are are helpful when we have, because we have all this array and sometimes of practices and teachings, and sometimes it's hard to know. is Are we talking about the relative or the ultimate here? Are we talking about skillful means or wisdom here? Are we talking about um, emotional obscurations or cognitive obscurations? Are we talking about um, the pure dharmakaya? Are we talking about these manifestation bodies of Buddha? So we could explore this this uh, map more um, for the rest of our lives, but uh, for now, a Zen story about this. The beauty of Zen stories is that they're that they're um, they're not so heady, right? There, there. Um, I think this is a teaching about, particularly about the ground. Of the two realities, the ultimate truth and the conventional truth, but Zen style. This is a case twenty-one in the, in the Book of Serenity, which is a collection of these Zen stories. One day, Yunyan was sweeping the ground. Yun is one of our Zen ancestors, Ungan Donjo, whose name we recite in the mornings. Is he's in our family. But this is way back, like maybe 9th century China. Yun was sweeping the ground because. Conventionally, that's what often happens in Zen temples during Soji. And uh, his Dharma brother, Dao Wu, and this Dao Wu is—they uh, were Dao Wu and Union were both um, first disciples of the, the uh, Linji. Uh, ancestor uh, Baijiang, but later they started practicing with um, with our ancestor Yaoshan, or Yakusan Igen, and they both became disciples of Yakusan Igen. So they were Dharma brothers and a lot of um, tapers, a lot of good stories about these two together. This time Yunyan was sweeping the ground and his Dharma brother Dao Wu came up and said, too busy or uh, you're working very hard or you're sure making a lot of effort and uh, these, I think these Zen ancestors and our family always were looking for an opportunity to engage in uh, in some dialogue about the two realities and other such topics. They were probably supposed to be silent during Soji, but so they may be whispering, too busy. And, uh, and uh, Yun Yan, who was sweeping, said to his friend, But uh, well, you should know that there's one who's not busy. Yun Yan was Sweeping the ground, he was he was practicing purifying the ground of the two realities with the practice of skillful means, sweeping the temple, and uh, maybe wisdom at the same time, because he could he could while he was sweeping he could have this kind of dialogue. He's he's practicing purifying the ground with skillful means and wisdom to purify the relative truth and the ultimate truth. Maybe he wasn't thinking all that. He's just sweeping the ground, the ground of reality. And uh, Dao says, too busy, which we could take to mean um, you look like you're really uh, engaged in the relative truth, but have you forgotten the the ultimate? This is the challenge for, for us Zen practitioners. I think it's quite easy to, to be um, engaged in the relative world of appearances. I shouldn't say quite easy. I mean, that has its difficulties too, but... Uh, But uh, that's what most of us are doing all the time. We're engaged in the relative world of impermanent appearances coming and going. But this timeless, unchanging reality of uh, of where there's no appearance, of non-appearance, that one maybe most people never even hear of or consider. So... uh, and yet, how can we not make that some separate thing? How can we find that, that ultimate um, in unity with the relative? Union is sweeping the ground, the, the ultimate and the conventional ground. And his timer his brother says, too busy. And Yunyan says, you should know that there's one who's not busy. We both should remember the ultimate reality of non-busyness. Right in the midst of our busyness, I think is the point here, that it's not like, I don't think that uh, Dao said, when he said too busy, he meant you should put down the broom and just come sit zazen with me. I don't think he meant that. He meant, uh, don't forget the non-busy one. You're, you seem too busy. And uh, Yan said, well, you should know there's one who's not busy. And Dao Wu said, well, then are there two moons? Moon is a Zen metaphor for truth or reality. The full, bright moon. And uh, are there two truths? Are there two realities then? The busy one and the non-busy one? And Yun Yan, in response, held up his broom and said, uh, which moon is this? Is this, is this the uh, ultimate moon of the uh, bright mirror, or is this the um, myriad appearances of Soji assignments and dust particles uh, swirling in the air while the ground is being swept. Which moon is this? This is is a wonderful story pointing to the The inseparability, the unity of the two truths. Is this form or emptiness? We can't ever separate these two. Which moon is this? And Dao Wu was silent. A good response. Better not say, well, that's the conventional, that's the relative. You better not even say, oh, "Okay, that's both." At this point, saying anything uh, it would have been too much. So uh, that's the um, that's the story. I think really about about the two grounds. I mean, the two realities of the ground, the two practices of skillful means and non-dual knowing and maybe even the fruition of the dharmakaya and the form bodies of buddha right there and this broom being held up and uh on then one song the commentator on this story says this good people as you eat rice boil tea Sew your robes and sweep the ground, you should know the one who's not busy. And again, it doesn't mean you should stop eating your rice to know the one, but as you eat the rice and boil tea and sweep and sow, you should recognize or know the one who's not busy. At the same time, then you will realize the unity of mundane reality and awakened reality. Or it could be translated as the, the relative truth and the ultimate truth. You will realize the unity of these. One song, the commentator says. And then it continues, in our Soto lineage, which we practice here today, this is called simultaneous inclusion, naturally not wasting time. I thought that was a, a sweet little commentary, quite straightforward. This is this. This is the style of our, of our tradition. Is the unity of these two realities. What are you called? The the mundane, or literally like the world reality and the Dharma reality. The world appears in myriad um, trees and and rocks and uh, walls, tiles and pebbles and you and me and sweeping and rice and tea. Uh, That's the world Dharma. And then the, um, I mean, the world reality and the uh, Buddha reality or the world Dharma and the Buddha Dharma is what it's literally called in in this commentary. And the Buddha Dharma of the mirror and the, the, the world Dharma of images are inseparable. And in the Soto lineage of Zen, this is called simultaneous inclusion, naturally not wasting time. kind of conceptual story we might wonder what to do with it but I think it just helps us to fit in um, how like sweeping the temple could be an actual um, practice of reality and how um, just sitting and being the bright mirror is not just a waste of time and many other things can be brought out uh, by this by this roadmap and uh, this zen story of union and but for now let's uh, leave it there and uh, then we can have some discussion after we uh, do a little bit of um, skillful chanting for the benefit of beings